Howdy, howdy, y'all. Welcome to Off the Deep End with your host, Leslie Pinson. And I'm so excited to be here today. Um, I was just looking at the calendar. Y'all, it's been a hot minute since I recorded an episode. Um, and by hot minute, I mean six months. Didn't expect that. Um, lots has been going on behind the scenes. And um, because Off the Deep End is your behind the scenes look as t- uh, into my life and what it means to live off the deep end, you are absolutely going to be filled in on what's been going on. Um, But I just want to take a quick moment to say thank you to everybody who has reached out or taken a moment to tell me um, how this little podcast that my intuition told me to start um, has impacted you. And I am, uh, gosh, I'm just so grateful for the fact that people have listened to this and that I didn't start this podcast to, um, because I cared about, uh, getting a big listener base or anything, but I had to, um, look at some of the data to, to share as I'm looking for kind of funding. And if I wanted to explore sponsorship and things like that, I was looking at some of the back end data and y'all there's like 1400 downloads and I don't, I don't know. And the podcast world, I'm sure that's not enough, but for somebody whose intuition just said, start a podcast, start telling the story now while you're building, not after you've built it. Um, and with the idea that I I wasn't supposed to worry about, um, getting it out there, that it would, it would find the people that it needed to find. Um, and I've done zero marketing. I, I Four posts. Every time I have an episode, I, I post on my Instagram, my personal Instagram, and then I happen to share it to Facebook. And then to have 1,400 downloads, it's it's actually wild to me. Um, and then I had to go on Apple, on iTunes, um, or podcast, whatever platform it is, and I've realized people have left reviews. Like, I don't really know what's going on, but I know that I'm grateful and... Um, those of you who have subscribed or less left reviews, thank you. Um, from the bottom of my heart, uh, I'm so glad that this this message is touching people. Um, I don't even know what the message is yet. I feel like I'm just trying my hardest to just show up and, and share vulnerably. Um, but vulnerability has just been such an impactful force in my life once I've started paying attention to it and um it's incredible it's an invitation and um it's a way of connecting with people in a deeper deeper way more meaningful way and um since getting to know vulnerability I just my life has changed drastically and that's there's a lot of messages I know I'm supposed to be sharing on this podcast but that's one of them that it's powerful and it's something um that there's a lot of fear around vulnerability um, and being aware of the fear. It's not like fear is just going to disappear, but being aware of the fear is what I'm finding to be um, significant at this point in my life. And I would say that's where I've been in the last six months. Um, kind of went inward uh, a little bit, definitely. I will say partly because I like to align my energy with that of the seasons. And in winter, I like the idea of hibernating. Uh, I don't do as much, not as active. I probably sleep a lot more, kind of like a bear. Um, (laughs) Put on a couple pounds. I don't know if it was COVID or winter or what, but sometime during the pandemic and around 
January, I noticed, and I, this has nothing, I am not, um, I've never paid attention to scales. I'm not, um, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying there's anything good or bad about gaining weight or losing weight. I'm not going down that path, but, um, just, this is me sharing from, from my life, but I noticed that my loose pants became my tight pants. Um, and then I was at a local boutique, uh, couple months ago and I was switching I was changing real quick because I needed to get to a meeting and my my now my tight pants literally just busted uh my zipper broke and um that's (laughs) that's, I don't know why I'm telling you that story but um (laughs) yes this is what hibernation does you pack on a few extra pounds and um but now that it's spring I'm, I'm my energy I'm like popping off there's so much going on lots of great stuff but in addition to hibernating, I have realized that there has been so much fear in my life over the last six months. And um, a lot of that is a fear of being seen. And I wasn't aware of this until my last energy healing session. And I think it's being seen because I'm an extrovert. So that didn't really like that took me by surprise, actually, when that popped up in our session. Um but it's a fear of being seen at a deeper level. And I'm, I've just discovered I am a deeply spiritual person. I, I mean, deeply. And I mean, if you're listening to the po- this podcast, you probably already know that. Um, and I think of it's not something I've always been in touch with. Definitely in a former life, you know, my 20s, I was not this spiritual. I think I was on some level. I just wasn't as super tapped in. But I've like gone, I'm full on, what do I call myself? A a hippie mystic woo-woo. But I have an MBA and I'm building a business. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, And I'm building something that doesn't feel like it exists. And I'm building something that has a deeply spiritual um, component to it. I mean, it's at its core. There's a spiritual message, but I'm positioning it in the corporate world and there is such fear around that um there's fear because what I'm building doesn't look like anything that exists uh there's fear because the actual process of building I don't want to do it like everybody else is doing it I I don't like hustle I don't like the idea of killing yourself to build. I don't think that's the only way to do life or to do business or to do, um, build anything like that. We, life is incredible and I want to live it. And so whatever it is I'm building, whether that's community or business, I'm going to stay true to that. And, um, I don't know. I feel like in the corporate world, sometimes that message can get lost and you're prioritizing productivity and hustle and grind and I am not against hard work that is not at all what I'm saying Um, I think uh, there's just this way of building that's more aligned it's more peaceful it's more in flow um, that just feels right and I don't think very many people are tapped into that and so I think when you're building in a culture that prioritizes that productivity you can look like the oddball or you can look like you're not doing jack shit and it's the opposite. I'm building new pathways um, and uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. So like I've been overwhelmed. I've been in fear. Um, I have been trying to understand my ADHD brain and, um, as much as it, uh, I'm trying to shift out of struggle because there is some component of, um, frustration and I find myself getting mad at my brain because there's certain things in life that you look around and people are like very capable of doing these very simple tasks. But y'all, when you have ADHD, those sometimes very simple tasks are damn near impossible. It just sometimes feels like it's impossible. And, um, and then when you aren't doing what everybody else is doing, then there's a very slippery slope where you just start to then get down on yourself and there's guilt and there's shame. Well, why can't I be doing that very simple task that everybody else seems to be able to do with ease? Um, and it's a spiral and it is, um, a spiral that I know very well. And, um, yeah, so that's, I don't have the answers either. I'm, uh, I'm super pumped. I found a voice that I, um, I'd say she's an expander for me. She's a spiritual, well, I'd say intuitive entrepreneur. And, um, I've listened to a couple of her podcasts and she also has ADD and she recommended this book called Deep Work. And I have cried and I'm only in the introduction, but I'm very inspired by it. And I have a feeling I'll be talking about that on the podcast, um, on a future episode. So I've been what feels like disconnected. Um, I've been in fear. I've been in struggle and um, frustration because I, I'm learning the lessons. I am hearing the messages and the stories that I, I'm supposed to be sharing. And yet it feels like it's just been uh, bottlenecked within me. And um, it's been hard. And I realized I've been waiting for just divine inspiration to strike to come record these podcasts. And I'm learning that that's not how it works. There is some element of commitment and just showing up that is an important piece of this equation and for many reasons it's just been difficult for me to show up and I think it's that fear of being seen it is um knowing some of the stories that I'm supposed to share with you I didn't plan to share that on a podcast um with the world and not that the world is listening but there's some people are uh so there's definitely some fear there um So I'm just trying to give people that inside look of what it uh, looks like to create despite, you know, neurodivergent thinking, despite fear, I am showing up and I pressed record today and this is what you get. Uh, but for the sake of storytelling, because I feel like this journey I started with off the deep end, uh, some components are linear. Um, and there's some stories that I can almost energetically feel their weight. And so some are weighted heavier. Um, 
And there's definitely some story that I need to tell you about since recording the last episode in December. And I'm going to take us back to Christmas. I drove home to Dallas, Texas with my little pug, Eli. We drive because Eli is noisy and I can't imagine anybody sitting next to a pug for the couple hour plane ride with like, (laughs) he just is a heavy mouth breather and, um, Yeah, so flying with Eli is not an option. We uh, drive. And I actually love driving and long distances for ADHD. Like, my goodness, that, like, some aspect of my brain is occupied. And then the amount of thoughts and clarity and uh, intuitive guidance that I get while driving is, is absolutely incredible. So I love driving. We drive home for Christmas every year. Drove home with the intention to um, really, how quick could I get back? And this was because my apartment was a mess. Surprise, surprise. Um, And I just really wanted to start 2021 um, with a clean slate and organized. And I was just, you know, I needed to get back quickly. So it was how quick, like when can I go down and how quickly can I get back? Okay, so that was the mindset going into Christmas. Many reasons why that is faulty. But uh, what I just love when you live with openness, um, is it just teaches me time and time again, you know, I can plan all I want. And then there's just a different, a different way of living. And so I get home and I get home on like a Monday and really there was among COVID, like we had taken precautions and, you know, I tried to kind of isolate before going down to see my parents, their upper sixties and, um, we just, we're considerate of that. And if anything, uh, the Pinson family, we talked about like, you know, the fear would be if somebody was going to give anybody COVID, it would be their wild daughter. Who I'm not wild in that capacity, but I just dra- traveling from, you know, Indiana driving down to Texas. That would be the, th- the thought is if anyone was going to give anybody COVID, it would be me giving it to my parents. But we took precautions. I get home on, I think it was a Monday and, uh, you know, hugs and kisses and we like to eat and drink and you know there was wine and sharing drinks and you know there was something about dad he I I don't know if he was coughing or there was a little stuffed up or something well come Tuesday dad's starting to kind of get a little bit worse and we're like oh uh this is interesting and then I think on Wednesday It was like, okay, something's going on here. So dad and I went and did like a rapid test for COVID. And turns out dad was positive. I was negative. Um, And we're like, well, shit. Uh, Happy COVID Christmas. No one expected this. And um, at this point, I'm at home with my parents and rarely get to see them. So it didn't, you know, in talking about it, it didn't make sense to like, now start wearing masks. I had already kissed my dad. I had already drank after him. It was kind of like, well, if, if y'all are going to get it, then I'll probably get it too. I probably already have it. Just don't know it yet. So that we didn't do any extra, um, quarantining precautions. We just kind of started quarantining together, uh, with the assumption that we all probably either already have it or will get it. Um, Turns out my mom got it next and mom and I went to get a COVID test. Mom was positive. I was still negative. And we're like, what the heck's going on? Um, we then started calling dad. I think he named himself Ground Zero. <laughs> so, we 
started lovingly referring to my dad as GZ, uh, ground zero for, for COVID. Um, and then eventually, I think it was like New Year's Eve, I did my third test and finally it came back positive. But y'all, here's the thing. I had the expectation that I was going to go home for this quick uh, Christmas trip, see my parents, get back, clean and organize my life so I would be ready to take on 2021. And then life actually happened and um, my 10-day trip turned into like a month with my parents. And if you had told me, and I love my parents, but if you had told me in December what I was walking into, I'd say, oh, you're crazy and we'll kill each other. And uh, my parents and I, we have a very an incredible relationship and uh, my dad and I are like the same person. So uh, he and I know how to push each other's buttons. And, and I say mom, which might be confusing for some of you who have just listened. If you've listened to the earlier episodes, you know I talk about my my birth mom passing away when I was three. So just a quick little side note. My dad remarried when I was five to Nancy. And Nancy is also my mom. And uh, I've never thought of her. So technically, I guess she's by law my stepmom. Um, but I've never thought of her as that. She's just my mom. And uh, she is... The angel that uh, brought incredible healing to uh, the life of me and my father. So we are uh, very blessed to have her. And fun side note, if you don't know, so I'm currently living up in South Bend. My mom, Nancy, grew up in South Bend. Uh, she hated the cold, moved to Texas, and we joke that, you know, I'm here and I now hate the heat. So uh, we've flip-flopped. But yes, so from now on, if I talk about like my mom, I will try to specify which mom I'm talking about. My mom in heaven or my mom on earth. And at this time in storytelling mode, we're talking about Nancy. Um, and so, oh goodness, where was I with that tangent? This is also ADHD, y'all. I got off on a tangent and I don't remember where I was. But coming back to it, talking about healing. Oh, my mom and I, like, we get along great. My dad and I know how to, like, press, press each other's buttons. And I, if you had told me that I'd be quarantining with him for a month, I'd say we'd kill each other. And turns out it was anything but. It was such an incredible healing opportunity for me and my parents. And I say healing in every aspect of the word. word. We had COVID together. And so it was healing, like, actually physical. But the amount of emotional and energetic healing that happened through that experience is what I'm feeling like I need to share with you guys and so it just turned out that like my I've gone full-on hippie I love plant medicine in terms of like essential oils and anything that's natural um I would choose that um f as I listen to my body and what it needs and kind of the type of healing so um I brought all of my essential oils home and it was so fun and empowering and we were very lucky um, to have very mild cases but um, every day and every hour we'd check in with each other you know what are your symptoms what are you feeling and then I've got tons of books and we would consult the books like what are the symptoms and like what essential oil little cocktail can we um, fix to help aid our body's own ability to heal and like literally the Pinsons survived COVID we, I mean and this is not me offering medical advice I need to say that this is just how me and my parents got through this um this uh through COVID and that was um 
lots of water, vitamins, and our essential oils. And it was so much fun, actually. Um, which sounds wild. And I know, and I, I don't mean to just dis, dis, diminish um, the really hard struggle that COVID is. So again, this is just me sharing our experience, our unexpected experience. Um, we used food. We were eating healthy. And I made us some... Um, veggie broth that was super healing and high in, in vitamins and minerals. And um, what I would say is the the conversations that we were having, um, because we were forced to be in the same space, couldn't go anywhere. So it was almost like my parents and I were having conversations that we needed to have um, and experiences that we needed to have together. And one example is January 6th in what and what happened in our nation's capital. And we watched that together. And why that's so powerful is I grew up in Texas. Uh, I have very conservative roots. I mean, my family, my friends, if you were to look at, you know, my social media platforms, I have, I have people on both sides of the spectrum. Um, and my dad and I, for the first time, in my voting life, voted differently this year. And that's not something that he and I have ever been able to have a civil conversation about. Um, and when all of this was happening and we were watching it together, we were able to process as a family and it wasn't like we sat down and you know had this long conversation, but it was because I was stuck there because I couldn't leave or escape, we just kept coming back to it. And the reason we kept coming back to it is, um, if you don't know by now, I also teach one of my, my, my actual full-time job. I teach entrepreneurship and mindfulness to high school juniors and seniors. And on January 6th, I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is a huge moment in our history as a com country. We need to talk about this tomorrow. And how am I going to bring this up in a way that is um, not political, but just let's just talk about what's coming up for people. And um, I was actually inspired by one of my high school teachers, um, Evan Matthews, and he was our English teacher in 2001. And on September 12th of 2001, we came into his class and what he did was he had us write down, he had us write a letter to ourselves, um, which was so raw in the wake of 9-11. And it was an opportunity to just capture that point in time. And what are we thinking? And then what he did was actually save the letters and he mailed it to us 10 years later, which was powerful. And I still have that letter. I don't know where it is right now, but I've read it multiple times over the course of oh my gosh 20 years oh wild that was oh my gosh yeah 20 years and so I, that night when I was kind of prepping for what we were going to talk about in the classroom I, I thought of that and I was like okay that feels right so the next morning we log on zoom virtual class obviously and and I have my students write a letter to themselves um and their thoughts and feelings and emotions. And there's no right or wrong answer. But what are you feeling on January 7th, 2021? And um, 
And then we opened up the floor for a discussion. And even though I said multiple times, this is not a political discussion. This is an open discussion in a safe space. Even though that was kind of the entry into that conversation, it got political. And there was division. And I had students literally leave my classroom. It's virtual, so they could do that. And y'all, it was wild. You know, my classroom, they are incredible students. And we worked all fall to create this like safe space, safe space for open sharing. And people were sharing vulnerably and they were talking about PTSD and like financial literacy and all of these really hard topics. But the second people started trying to talk about politics, it just dissolved. And it was like all of a sudden this really yucky division that we were all feeling at the national level, seeing what's going on in our country. All of a sudden it was in my classroom and it was, oh my gosh, like I'm tearing up just thinking about it. Like that, there was division and, and it was, oh my gosh, it just felt terrible. And like my students could feel it. I could feel it. Um, And that's not how we're meant to live life, divided and isolated and in silos. We're meant to live life together. And that doesn't mean you all have to believe the same things or vote the same way. It just means we need to learn to coexist. And it was just so incredibly apparent that civil discourse has just been, the ability to have civil discourse has been lost. And I get it at the national level. It's because we were not taught that. And that's why just it, it was so devastating to see it happening in this little corner of the world that, you know, even us, we'd, we'd work so hard to create the safe space and, um, and it dissolved the second it got political. So we did some work the next day. We came back and we addressed it um, and we talked about what is it? What is your reaction to um, tension? You know, when something gets hard or when something gets difficult, we just broke it down. We said we need to be able to talk about like this division. Like, where is this coming from? And y'all, it was, it was. Well, I was told you never talk about you know religion or politics. And I mean, and this is at the same time I'm processing what's happening in my classroom with my parents because I'm stuck in a house with them. And so I'm having this conversation with my dad and he goes, Leslie, I'm 68 years old and I've never talked about politics with anybody. And it, that, that's what we're grown up being taught. You don't talk about these things. So how can we miss that openness? But in all of this processing that I'm doing with my class, um, I'm processing with my parents and one night, my dad, he was having, we think he has gout in one of his feet. And he had asked me like, hey, Leslie, do you have any potions that you can put on my, <laughs> my foot for my gout? So I looked in my essential oil books and I actually found a protocol for gout. And so I was um, mixing up these oils and I went and I was... Uh, sitting with my dad or sitting at my dad's feet. He's in his bubba chair 
and um, we're having a conversation and I realize we talked about politics in a very healthy way that didn't end in a fight and we voted differently and it was the next day that I realized, oh my God, my dad and I found common ground. My dad and I were able to have this conversation about politics and it didn't end in a fight and it didn't end in somebody else storming out of the room. And then when I when it struck me like, oh my gosh, we found common ground, I remembered what was I doing when my dad and I found common ground talking about politics. I was anointing his feet with fucking oils. Like if that's not some deeper message than I don't know what is. And it was instead of going into that conversation, seeking to change someone's mind. I, I literally went into that conversation seeking to serve. And it wasn't even about the political conversation. I went to serve my father. Oh my gosh, that sounds too religious and weird. I did. I, I went to serve my dad in this in this way of care caring and love and and um in that moment of rubbing oils on his feet <laughs> oh my god we i then had the idea to ask him about his uh what he seem sees as broken in our political system and we found common ground because we both think it's the system it's not one party or the other it's the system. And that's where we found common ground as I'm anointing his feet with oils. And it was such a transformative um, experience that, my gosh, y'all, I think we need to all just get barefoot and get some oils. And I think that's how we can start healing this world. Um, when we seek to understand and we seek to serve and we lean in with curiosity and openness and... Um, it was just really beautiful. And then through all of that and realizing, oh my gosh, I found common ground with my dad. That sparked another idea. We have Mindfulness Mondays in my class. And so on Mondays um, for like at least a month, we did something called Common Ground. And I said, you do not have to vote the same way. You do not have to agree on everything. It's actually good that you don't. We need people with different beliefs. And um, But what I will not tolerate is um, othering. I, I will not tolerate that in this classroom. And so we did Common Ground on Mindfulness Mondays. And what that meant is for, I don't know, 20 minutes, they were assigned virtually to um, a room, assigned randomly, and their only goal was to get to know somebody on a deeper level. And they had to come up with as many things as you could that um, you had in common with the other person. And it was, I did, I just did verbal one-on-one -on -one finals and I had a couple people say that that common ground was actually something that they really enjoyed, um, in getting to know their peers because it was such a weird year and a lot of it we spent online virtually in silos. And so a way to find connection with others and see that they're not as different from you. Um, so we did common ground. I found common ground with my dad as I was anointing his feet with oils and, um, and that was one of the aspects of healing with my parents. The other one was 
uh, I think one night we got into kind of a, a I wouldn't say heated discussion, but um, it's been a it's been I'm just very different. My parents have had to release a lot of expectations that they had on my life. Just as I release the expectations I had, they've kind of had to release the expectations that, you know, they have a daughter who's 36 and single and not married with five kids and um, a traditional looking career. Um, And so that's been work that my parents have had to do is to release the expectations that they had for my life. And my gosh, they're doing it. And I can't tell you it's, I don't think, I feel so blessed that that's work that they are doing alongside of me. It didn't happen overnight. This has been a long time coming, but it, you know, this just goes back to the way we heal the world is by healing our inner world. And the more commitment I've shown towards my healing journey, it's ripple effect throughout my little individual, like our little family unit has been really beautiful to be able to have these conversations. But, um, it was a heated, heated discussion, went to sleep without answers, and then the next morning came back together and had uh, such a powerful conversation. And it, we realized that all three of us have a fear in common. And myself and my parents have this fear of me being alone when they're gone. And I'm an only child. And I don't know if I've verbalized that fear. I don't know if they have either. But in the verbalizing of that fear, we talked about mortality. And what does that mean? And we're not promised tomorrow. And we live halfway across the country. You know, they're in Texas and I'm in Indiana. Let's just say we have 10 years. How do, we, how do we want that whatever time we have? How do we want to be living? And do we want to be living apart? And what does that mean when we are together? And um, I think it brought a lot of just intention into our little family unit. And um, yeah, we don't have the answers. <laughs> but I will just say... By talking about that fear, it brought us to talking about mortality, which led us to talking about how do we want to live? And I think we just really, we've gotten to a point where we like each other. You know, at some point we were parent and child and um, sometimes that's hard and that can feel like strain, but it feels like we're evolving out of parent-child relationship into and at 36, so I feel like... People evolve out of that relationship a lot younger. Um, I'm a late bloomer in every sense of that term, too. So um, just now evolving out of the parent-child relationship, and it's it's more intention and how do we want to be building, and let's get creative, and like what could that look like? And I mean, I've been recruiting my parents to move up to South Bend since I got here, so um, planting lots of seeds. And uh, in case this is helpful, when I went to visit my parents, we met in um, Park City, Utah in the fall and had another incredible, it's like every time I'm with my parents, we're having these incredible healing breakthroughs. And um, yeah, I'm just very grateful. But in that moment, I was heading to the airport with my Uber driver 
And he shared with me that his children were coming back to visit. And he was having a conversation with one of his sons. And he said, let's just assume I've got 10 more years. If I'm seeing you one time a year, that means I'm going to see you 10 more times before I die. And I, I sat in the back of that Uber car and that hit hard. What is that? Like 10 more times. Like if you're living far apart from the people that you love, it makes you think, and, and maybe you have circumstances where you can't be nearby, but like, what does that mean for FaceTime? What does that mean for like, for the time that you do have with loved ones? Like, I don't want to sit around and watch TV. I want to have deeper conversation. I want to know you. I want to know what are your fears? What are, what are your hopes? What are your dreams? And I share that, um, in case that's helpful for anybody, um, I don't know. Sometimes it, it seems like we don't talk about death and maybe we should. And I don't mean to be doom and gloom. I just mean, I think it starts to wake you up to, you have the power to be living how you want to be living. And it's up to you to build that life. And it's, um, Versus life just happening to you. Uh, it's, it's empowering to kind of take that back and to realize when you wake up to that. Um, so that's uh, that's where I kind of got with my parents. And it was funny when I'm leaving, packing up to drive back with Eli, you know, my parents were just emotional. We we're all crying and my mom's sobbing. And, you know, we had COVID together. And yet my mom is crying, saying, I think this is the best time we've ever spent together. And it was. It was so wonderful. And this isn't the COVID story that you're used to hearing. <sighs> mom and dad, if you're listening, I love you and I miss you. And I can't wait for you to come visit this summer. Oh, and hey, get this. Um... <laughs> Talk about radical love. I started telling this story because my expectation was to go to Dallas, hurry up and get back so I could clean and organize my apartment before 2021. My parents and I spent a month together over COVID or over Christmas because of COVID. And then less than a month later, they flew to South Bend, Indiana to help me clean my apartment. <laughs> so again, this is what ADHD looks like. But my parents literally came to South Bend to help me get organized. And in that weekend that we spent together, in the presence of radical love, there was more healing and more shift. And it was, um, 
I remember one moment looking over at my dad, who's, like I said, 68, and he's folding my leggings. <laughs> and I just, it just struck me. That's love. That's not some glorified love on a Hallmark card or I, I don't even know. That's just, that is love. And then another thing, it was my mom helping me with my dishes and ADHD. You want to know what ADHD looks like? It's cleaning. I don't have a dishwasher and I haven't for the last like five years. ADHD is doing your dishes when you run out of silverware. And that has been my routine. And at one moment during that weekend, my mom was like, you know, I have this thing where I just don't like to go to bed with a dirty dish in the sink. She's told me this many times, but for some reason that weekend it's clicked and it stuck with me. And since like February 18th, I think I, I can count on one hand how many times I've gone to bed with a dirty dish in my sink. And that is like, let's not talk about my apartment. It's slightly messy right now. That's a different thing. But one step at a time, I'm like getting there. But it was just, y'all, I cannot, um, the gratitude and the love that was shared with this radical act of kindness and, and, and literally showing up, flying across the country to help their adult daughter with extreme ADHD get organized. It was just, that was the better way. It wasn't the way that I had planned or expected, but that was the better way. And um, I'm so grateful for the lessons and the um, love that has been shared between my sweet parents and I, and um, just very, very, very grateful. Um, and then, so I'd say another lesson that I learned, this is jumping back to January a little bit, but it's, it's in line with showing up and that theme, there's this other theme that has popped up in my life and that's uh, commitment and committing to myself and showing up. And I will say this, this, this theme popped up in my life because of Bridgerton. So if you haven't watched Bridgerton, you've been under a rock. But I came back from uh, Dallas and binge watched Bridgerton in like two days and it woke something up within me and I have a little sticky note. I, I desire this. I, I, I romance is, is something that is not in my life and literally watching Bridgerton helped connect me back to that desire. And, um, as I was thinking about like, okay, I know I've been busy. I know it's been a pandemic. Um, why is this not something that I have been paying attention to and, um, what's going on there? And so am I ready for a relationship? No, I'm doing a lot of work, building things and, you know, working on my own healing journey, but I'm at least curious. And what I mean is I'm commitment curious and I, uh, I know that sounds strange, but the idea of being in relationship is something that is now on my radar and I'm at least open to 
what, where I might be guided with this. But because of kind of this, this theme of commitment and showing up, I'm realizing, oh my gosh, I started looking at ways in my life where there's commitment, where there is not commitment. And like, that is my new buzzword. And the thing that is like, that I'm working on is, is observing commitment, um, and trying to celebrate the areas where I am committed and where I am showing up and just, you know, being a little bit aware of where I feel like I need to be showing up and I'm not. Um, and being commitment curious has made me realize like, okay, I've had many advisors tell me I need to start a newsletter for this business and this community I'm building. Probably 10 people said, where's your newsletter? I, I want on it. I can't fucking commit to a newsletter. There is fear in that. How am I going to commit to a person? And I, I don't mean like that's not a, it's not a fidelity um, issue with commitment. It's a fear of being seen. It's a fear of being enough. And, um, and again, you'll hear me say this all the time as I'm working through things, I don't have the answers, Uh, but this is what I'm working on. This is where I'm curious. And, um, this is what I'm navigating is this fear of commitment and how, man, how pervasive it is in so many areas of my life. So as I am manifesting a dream partner and I'm commitment curious, I'm seeing all of the ways that I can practice commitment as I keep stepping in that direction. I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody, but I'm, um, practicing showing up for myself, practicing committing to myself. That's, I'm realizing all of the ways, these little daily tasks, that's committing to myself and committing to my own, um, just the structure that I need in my life. And, um, yeah, so commitment curious, that's my new thing that I'm practicing commitment. Um, as I am open to the idea of, it's weird. I'm open. I'm, I'm manifesting a dream partner but not super interested in dating. And I mean that, and I've talked with girlfriends about this recently. Dating in 2021, pandemic aside, just feels gross. And um, talk about dating apps. I don't know if I've mentioned on this podcast, but I am an empath that I feel people's energy. And four years ago when I was on dating apps, I wasn't as tapped into that, to energy. And like, I, I remember being on them and I mean, they weren't great, but they weren't terrible. And oh my goodness, I can't even get on a dating app right now because I'll swipe and I will literally feel people's energy. Where are my empaths at? Is anybody else experienced this problem? There is so much rampant loneliness or people, ugh, icky vibes. Like it, um, it's a real struggle being an empath on a dating app. So, um, I think I'm also on there. I think I still have one profile up and it's more, I'm interested in market research, looking at this app for market research and finding friends and no one matches with me. Uh, Shocker. But anyways, this is, I've gone down a rabbit hole, I feel like. But um, this is a little update on where I've been, why I've been absent, uh, what I'm working through, the healing journey. Oh, and to tie it all together, as I'm, building something that I'm still trying to find the words to clarify. Um, 
just became very apparent that I needed to be home. I needed to go to my home base. I needed to reconnect with my roots. I needed to stabilize some healing with my parents. This is very much root chakra energy, um, grounded rootedness. uh, And it just so much came from that. Um, And it's just funny. That's not at all what what I was expecting, but I'm so glad everything happened in that way. So, um, more episodes coming up. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited, slightly terrified with, uh, the topics that I know I'm speaking of in the next episode. So, um, stay tuned in the meantime. I really do love you and I thank you for listening and I hope you are able to find some nugget of wisdom or something that you're able to take um, from this. And I hope you have a wonderful day. And I'm sending love. Thanks, y'all.